There are several topics such as the calendar or when a day begins or the pronunciation of names that tend to bring strife and contention. Likewise, the question whether our Messiah is the Father come in the flesh or the literal Son of the Most High has been hotly debated. It is not my desire to bring any contention or strife among us today. Nevertheless, it is time to discuss this topic at length, even if it's uncomfortable or puts to the test your current beliefs, as this truth is vital to our faith. This topic is the center point of a massive deception that will play into an end-time scenario that you need to know about. Welcome, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about our Messiah. Is he the Father come down the flesh, or is he the Son? Let's start with some quick prayer. Heavenly Father, O Yahuwah, we come before you and bless you and thank you for all things that you provided for us. We thank you for Messiah Husha, in whom we have forgiveness through his blood. We thank you for opening our eyes to the wondrous matters written in your word and your Torah. And we just ask that you would guide us through this study and open our eyes and ears continually to hear your word that we may be hearers and doers. Shabbat Shalom. Amen. So it is Shabbat. And we are taking a one-week break from our Matthew study and getting into a topic that um, I've been discussing and studying for quite some time. And this tonight's study is the culmination of quite a few years of research. Now, this study is not going to be exhaustive. There's probably, this study will probably take us an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. I'm not sure exactly how long. I could probably go twice as long with how much information is out there. But I wanted to make something um, palatable uh, for you to, to see the evidence at hand and allow you to make a decision for yourself, of course. Of course, I'll be sharing with my opinions and what I, how I see the scriptures, the, how they read. Uh, nevertheless, we hope that the scriptures do the talking for themselves and to settle this matter once and for all, at least in my understanding. So uh, let's start with the shofar blast, wake you up a little bit, and we'll get right into it. So here we are, uh, what what I've been doing for quite some time. It's been um, gotten good feedback. This is how a lot of you like it. What I've done is I've actually written an, art, written an article um, going over everything we're going to be talking about tonight. So I've heard that I go fast sometimes through information just because there's so much to go through. And I apologize if that's the case. But nevertheless, I'll have a link for this article in the description box and as a pinned comment below so that you can go back and restudy this at your own pace, uh, look at through the scriptures that I've included in this study, and study it out for yourself because I do think this is a pretty big topic. Uh, I, I understand that it will uh, cause some contention, uh, as I stated at the intro. That's not my um, that's not my intentions here, but 
I do want to stand for truth, even if it bothers you, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable. Um, again, not my intention, but I'm here to share what the Father's put on my heart in regards to this topic. So uh, with that, let's get started. And uh, this was the intro, so we already went through that. So um, here, we'll start here. So regardless of where you are right now, I would ask you to stop and pray to our Father that he would guide you in his Ruach, his Spirit, and let you know whether what is being shown today is true or false. So if you're watching live, I'll give you about 10-15 seconds. Let's go. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. When it comes to identifying who or what exactly our Messiah is, most will want to box someone in with a prepackaged label, just like in you know Hebrew roots. Oh, you're a Hebrew rooter or oh, you're this or that. So the some of the labels are Trinitarian, Unitarian, Arian, Whatever it may be, I don't submit to any of them. So what we're going to go over tonight is not a Trinitarian doctrine. It's not a Unitarian doctrine. It's not an Arian doctrine. I don't submit to any of those labels. What we're going to go through, right, I am a scripturalist. It's probably not even a, right, a correct word in English, but that's what I'm going with. So with that being said, let's dive right in. Who is Yahusha? That's just where I'm at with his name. I'm not a name contentious guy. You may know him as Yeshua, Yahushua. Yahushua, sorry, Yahushua, whatever name you may go with, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to contend with you. Um, but for tonight's study, I will be using Yahusha as the name of our Messiah, right? So who is he? Is he the son or is he the father? So let's start with, is he the father? Legitimate question. So let's cover the main verses used to prove Messiah is the father. This is not an exhaustive list, but we'll cover the most popular ones. Just like the rest of this study, there, there's a lot more we can probably include here, but uh, this is this is the final cut of what was included. So we're going to start with Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty Elohim, the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6, and this is in the Masoretic, or the King, uh, this came from the KJV. Uh, this passage in Isaiah 9 is clearly speaking about Yahushua, our Messiah, and is the cornerstone for believing our Messiah is the Father. Why not? It outright says, the everlasting Father, right? What do you do with that? So before we consider this as ironclad proof, let's take a look at Isaiah 22 as it also points out some prophecies about him. So this is several chapters later in Isaiah 22. And I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your girdle and, it, and I will commit your government into his hand and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now, here's how we know this is speaking specifically about Yahusha. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. That's Isaiah 22, 21 through 23. So there it is again. 
He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Bam. There it is right there. The book of Revelation reveals this is undoubtedly about Messiah. So um, right here where it says, um, And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and shall shut and none shall open. That is directly from Revelation 3.7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. We know that's speaking about our uh, Messiah. Oops, our Messiah. Um, right, so, and it seems to clearly say he's the father, right? Right. It says uh, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, right? But the, let's read the next verse. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, right? Something something we see right here. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. So the father of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which is Messiah, he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. So the same thing here in verse 24. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house. The offspring and the issue and all the vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cup evil to even to the vessels of flagon. So our Messiah, who is a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, also has a father. Furthermore, let's take a look at Isaiah 9.6 in the Septuagint, which is the Greek manuscript, and the Aramaic to see if we have second or third witnesses. Just as a quick note, just in case you're new or haven't uh, uh, seen some of the other studies we've done, just as a quick note, the Masoretic text, which is the manuscript, the KJV, the ESV, the RSV, the, the TS-2009, the Hallelujah Scriptures, the Sefer, and many other popular translations use. It is from 900 AD. So the, Ma the Masoretic, which is the most popular versions that most people read, the manuscript that they use to translate from is from 900 AD. The Septuagint is the Greek manuscript from 200 BC, so 1,100 years older than the Masoretic is the Septuagint, the Greek text. And the Aramaic is anywhere from 450 BC to 100 AD. So however you slice it, these two manuscripts are older. So let's read it in the Septuagint first. For a child is born to us, and this is Isaiah 9, 6 again. For and Actually, this is Isaiah 9, 5 through 6 in the Septuagint. For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us, whose government is upon his shoulders, and his name is called the messenger. And the Greek here is angel, angelos, angel, right? The messenger of great counsel. For I will bring peace upon the princes and health to him. His government shall be great, and of his peace there is no end. It shall be upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to establish it, and to support it with judgment and with righteousness from henceforth and forever. The zeal of Yahweh Sabaoth shall perform this. Again, that was Isaiah 9, 5 through 6 in the Septuagint. You'll notice I placed messenger in bold and put a note here that the word messenger here is angelos, angelos. The Hebrew equivalent is malak, which is angel or messenger. Remember this, as we will have more to say about this later, the Septuagint has nothing to say about him being the father or, again, what the uh, Masoretic text which we read in the KJV, was the everlasting father. You won't find that in the Septuagint. Now here's the Aramaic. The prophet said to the house of David, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he has taken the Torah upon himself to keep it. 
His name is called from eternity, wonderful, the mighty Elohim, who lives to eternity, the Messiah, whose peace shall be great upon upon us in his days. And that's Isaiah 9, 6 in the Aramaic Targums. So the Aramaic outright says he's the Messiah. This version has become an amazing study tool as of late, but once again, nothing about being the Father. So this piece of evidence, Isaiah 9, 6, that many use in favor to portray the Messiah as the Father does not hold up to the test, in my opinion. But let's examine more. The next big one, probably actually probably the biggest one, um, is Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4 um, is also the cornerstone people use to deny Messiah at all, right? And I'll explain that in a, shortly. So Deuteronomy 6.4, this is part of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Yahuwah our Elohim is one. Deuteronomy 6.4. This is a major point of discussion. The ever-portent is Shema states that Yahuwah is one. The Hebrew word here used is Echad. On the surface, this verse could lead one to believe that there is only the Father and that's it. No room for a son. Or it tends to get into some interesting theories such as the Father sent himself wrapped in flesh but called the flesh his son. I mean, it gets really tricky really quickly. If the father sent himself, did he talk to himself when? And I'm not saying this mockingly. I'm actually really asking a genuine question. And Yahusha, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the spirit of Elohim descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that's Matthew 3, 16 through 17. If, if Messiah is also the Father, did the Father speak to himself? This would be very confusing and actually misleading, right? Um, so it actually would be a lie. It would be, this is my beloved son, but no, it's not really my son. It's actually me. Um, it would actually be a lie and a misleading. When Yahuwah speaks to us, he does so in a way that we can understand him. We're his children, right? Just like you parents out there, when you speak to your children, you speak to them so that they can understand. You meet them at their level. He uses our knowledge about the world we live in to give examples. Specifically here, we can see he uses animals to paint a picture. As a dog returns to its vom to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Not very many animals eat up their own vomit, but a dog does, right? And that's Proverbs 26, 11. So whether you own a dog or not, you more than likely have seen or perhaps have even heard about how dogs throw up their food and go right back to eating it back up. That was bad English, sorry. Gross, sure. But you can see how the Ruach worked through Solomon to paint this picture for us to understand the precept of one who returns to sin. Here are a few more examples. Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. And you can only imagine if you were to take the bear's babies away from her, probably wouldn't be a good idea for you. You'd probably have a really angry bear. So let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. Proverbs 17.2 Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. We know oxes do pretty good job of mowing the lawn with via eating it numbers 22 4 he also uses nature especially farming to help our understanding of principles consider the parable of the sower matthew 13 
right? So when Messiah talked about the different seeds sown, one springs up and uh, gets choked up with thorns and it becomes unfruitful. Um, one is sown in stony ground. It doesn't have a good root in itself, so it, it sprouts up you know, quickly, but then withers and dies. Um, many different examples, right? Also in Isaiah 28, where you have the farmer, how he uh, threshes different um, or handles different uh, um, spices and, and vegetables in different ways. You know, one's crushed, one has a cartwheel rolled over it. You, the farmer uses discretion on how to handle different things. Uh, so uh, anyways, the point being is Yahweh gives us wisdom through uh, nature, through farming, through animals. Uh, so many other examples. Here's my point. Right, I'm rambling at this point. Here's my point. If he uses examples on earth to illustrate what he's trying to say or teach, how will we not think this holds true when he point, says point blank, this is my beloved son? Or about the, the hundred plus times he's mentioned in the scriptures as the son. Would our father intentionally want to confuse us? We all know what a son is here on earth. Right? So I've got two sons. When the scripture says, and the father says, this is my son, I can look at my children and be like, okay, I know what a son is. Okay, so Yahusha is as a son to the father. He wouldn't tell me that, that he's a son, to just to confuse and be like, well, that's not really what I meant, right? So he doesn't speak to us. You know, in certain matters, he speaks very plainly. On prophecy and stuff, sure, it's hidden, it's shrouded. But when it comes to like, if the Messiah is his son or himself, he's spoken very clearly. For Elohim is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all assemblies of the saints, 1 Corinthians 14.33. So if the scriptures say that the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son, who are we to say he is wrong? Or what he really meant to say was, well, this is my beloved Son, but it's not actually my Son. It's actually me down there, but it's the flesh version of me, so it's not really me. I'm not trying to be mocking. I'm just saying like that's where people go with this and I'm here to say I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing we'll touch on this concept a bit more and go over other examples but for now let's get back to the Shema and the doctrine of Yahweh being one Echad in Hebrew it is my understanding at this time that the true meaning of Yahweh being one wasn't fully taught until Messiah revealed it in John 17 Let's take a look. In John 17, we have Messiah praying to the Father in front of the disciples, and then this happens. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us. And the cool thing about the Septuagint as we can learn that the, the Greek word used here, one, that Messiah is talking about, was the same Greek word that was used for um, one in, the, in the, the Shema. So, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me, and the glory which you gave me to, I'm sorry, the, the glory that you gave to me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be one. Uh, made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me, John 17, 20 through 23. So we continue to see that there's dialogue, discourse between him and the Father. 
right? But that's not the point here. Here is one echad revealed, in my opinion. This is where it is straight up revealed. It is the state of being in union as one, right? So like a husband and wife is one. When a, when a, when a man leaves his father and mother and is cleaved unto his wife, they're one flesh before Yah. Are they one person, literally? No, they're two people, but they're joined in echad. Right, so it is a state of being in union as one with another through the ruach of Elohim, or even in covenant, like a husband and wife. Yahusha wants his followers to be one with another, just as he is with the Father, to be in singleness of heart and spirit, not to be physically, not to physically be one person. He doesn't want us to like, you know, mold into be one person like physically. He doesn't want me and you or however many will watch this to be like literally one person. Sure, he wants us to be one in spirit and in truth and in doctrine and all these kind of things, but not to be physically one person. So here is the Strong's Concordance definition of a chad, where we can see the evidence of unity and togetherness. So this is a chad. So uh, number, it's the number one. Um, you can see uh, here uh, numeral from such and such properly united, right? Uh, alike, all together, together, right? So there's there's some uh, there's some evidence here of togetherness to be one and like-minded, uh, to be united, right? Properly united. So let's revisit, revisit Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, Yahuwah Elohim is one. My understanding it, my understanding at this time. Hero Israel, Yahuwah Elohim is united, is one. Right? Our Elohim, the Godhead, is united. Keep in mind, the mystery of Yahusha, our Messiah, was kept hidden until his coming and resurrection. See Colossians 1.26, Romans 16.25, Ephesians 3.4, Colossians 2.2. 2. Just name a few. Actually, we'll just go ahead and read them. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Romans 6.25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Yahusha HaMashiach, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the beginning of the world, since the world began. So if Yahusha was a mystery, the true understanding of Echad, Hero Israel, uh, our Elohim, which Elohim is plural, we'll explain that in a second, is Echad, is one. Ephesians 3.4, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Mashiach. Colossians 2 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and into all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to acknowledgement of the mystery of Elohim and of the Father and of Mashiach. Right? Paul makes a distinction there. He said to me, just as no one can explore or know what is in the depths of the sea, so no one on earth can see my son or those who are with him except in the time of his day. 2 Esdras 13.52. 2 Esdras was included in the Apocrypha section in the 1611 KJV. Now, the next uh, big verse the for proving a Messiah is the Father is John 14.9. Yahushua said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me 
has seen the Father. And how say you then, show us the Father? So, Yahushua told Philip that since he had seen him, he has also seen the Father. Does that mean he is the Father himself? We must reconcile with these, uh, with these passages. So again, Yahushua's like, hey, Philip, you see me, you've seen the Father, right? But remember this, no man has seen Elohim at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him, John 1, 1 18. No man has seen Elohim at any time. If we love one another, Elohim dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us, 1 John 4, 12. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of Elohim, he has seen the Father. So Messiah here is saying, nobody's seen the Father except for me, John 6, 46. These passages seem to contradict Yahushua's statement in John 14, 9, as these latter verses say that no man has seen the Father except him, the Son. We must be able to reason that Yahushua was referring to him being referring to himself being the express image of the Father, much like a mirror image or a perfect representation. Elohim, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, Messiah, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and uphold, upholding all things by the word, the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Also, in whom the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah, who is the image of Elohim, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. We're going to look at uh, image definition. A visual representation of something, such as a likeness of an object produced on a photographic material. A picture produced, uh, whatever, we don't need to care about that. The optical counterpart, right? Um, Yeah. Exact likeness, semblance, right? God... Elohim created man in his own image, a person strikingly like another person. Right? Visual visible representation. <clears throat> so an image is a representation of something, person, place, thing, etc. Yahusha is a perfect image or representation of the Father. This is what he was referring to with Philip. Remember, let's read again. Yahushua said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how say you then show us the Father? In my opinion, Messiah was essentially saying this, Philip, why do you ask to see the Father? I'm his exact image. Since you've seen me, you've seen him, as I do and act like him, even all my doctrine came from him. Yahushua answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. John seven sixteen. Here is an interesting passage in the Aramaic regarding this topic. These are the generations of Yitzchak, Bar, or son of Abraham. And because the appearance of Yitzchak resembled the appearance of Abraham, the sons of men said, In truth, Abraham begot Yitzchak. Right? So, Yitzchak was in the image of Abraham, his father, and we saw that he acted 
and did just as Abraham, his father, did. So Yitzchak is a good example of Yahusha being the image of his father. So side note, we are to be molded into the image of Yahusha. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8, 29. And in doing so, we're to walk as he walked, see 1 John 2, say, let's just read it. Let's just read it. He that says he abides in him, so he that says he lives in Messiah, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked, right? That's how we can be the image of Yahusha. No man has seen the Father. This is the next, next subtopic. So just a moment ago, we read three witnesses to attest the fact that no man has ever seen the Father. John 1, 1, 1, 1, 18, 1 John 4, 12, and John 6, 46. This may be, seem a bit perplexing to most believers. Many have been taught that the Father was in the Old Testament and his Son was in the New Testament. Almost like a good cop, bad cop routine. Pondering on the fact that no one has seen the Father at any time, who did Moses see in the book of Exodus? Who did Adam see in the garden? Was it the father? Or perhaps it was his son interacting with man the whole time? The answer to this question is truly the center of the study. And what you'll find is, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't gleaned it already so far, um, I do believe that Yahusha is the son of our father. Um, and I'm going to continue to share that case i'm going to present the case before you of why i believe he's a literal son but what's interesting about this is what i find is that people that believe that yahusha is also the father do so for good reason here's why because they firmly believe that it was the father that vi that man that visibly manifested himself in the old testament uh, like what we'll read here in Genesis 3 with the burning bush and um, standing before uh, Joshua where his, you know, Joshua had to loose his feet off, the sandals off his feet. Um, or you know, on top of Mount Sinai with the burning flame of fire. Like, well, who was that, right? Uh, we, a lot of people believe it was the Father. Well, because we've all been taught that that was the Father, that's why I understand why a lot of people believe that Yahusha is the Father. And I'll explain that a little bit further. But you'll find is I think that people that believe Yahusha is the father and that believe or that believe he's the son actually have a lot more in common than you think. Um, and I'll actually explain that here shortly. So before we dive deep into this, so again, we're, we're the question right now that I'm posing is who did Moshe see in the book of Exodus? Who did Adam see in the Garden of Eden? Uh, so on and so forth. Before we dive deep into this, we need to establish the fact that the earth was created by our Heavenly Father through his son Yahusha. Nothing that was created was made without him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. The same was in the beginning with Elohim. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the Word, everything was made through the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. That's John 1, 1 through 3 and 14. So our Messiah, Yahushua, is the word of Elohim, and everything was made by him or through him. With this in mind, let us take a look at some passages from the Torah. We will be reading some passages from the Aramaic Targums. Targums simply meaning translation. This translation is not perfect like any other, 
but is a good source to glean information from. And the word of Yahuwah created man in his likeness. In the likeness of the presence of Yahuwah, he created him. The male and his yoke fellow, he created them. That's Genesis 1 and the Aramaic. So the word, Yahusha, created man in his likeness in the presence of Yahuwah, the Father. It's pretty telling. Now, let us make man in our image makes a whole lot more sense now. And a garden from the Eden of the just was planted by the word of Yahweh Elohim before the creation of the world, and he made there to dwell the man when he had created him. Genesis 2 of the Aramaic. And they heard the voice of the word of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden of the repose of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from before Yahweh Elohim among the trees of the garden. Genesis 3. Who did Abraham see? And I have established my covenant between my word and you and your sons after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be an Elohim to you and to your sons after you. Genesis 17. So Abraham saw the word, Yahusha. Who did Moses see when he received the Torah? And Moshe went up to seek instruction from before Yahuwah and the word of Yahuwah anticipated him from the mountain saying thus shall you speak to the men of the house of Jacob and teach the congregation of the sons of Israel Exodus 19 and the Eric makes so it was Yahusha up there the word that was the representation of the father giving Moshe all of the father's instructions and now if you will truly hearken to the voice of my word so Moshe if you listen to my word and keep my covenant, you shall be more beloved before me than all the peoples on the face of the earth. And before me you shall be crowned kings and sanctified priests, a holy people. Exodus 19. And all the people answered together in the fullness of their heart and said, All that the word of Yahuwah has spoken, so the word of Yahuwah spoke, will we will do. And Moshe returned the words of the people in prayer before Yahuwah. And the word of Yahuwah said to Moshe, Behold, my word will be revealed to you in a th in the thickness of the cloud that the people may hear while I speak with you and may also believe forever in the words of the prophecy of you, my servant Moshe. And Moshe delivered the words of the people in prayer before Yahuwah, Exodus 19 in the Aramaic. We can clearly see that the word of Yahuwah is not a parchment or a scroll or some book. He is a living being who represents Yahuwah himself. One could argue that the book of Jubilees said that the Torah was given by angels, messengers, Malachim, to disprove that it was the word Yahusha on Mount Sinai. But before you go there, again, I think a lot of people that believe that Yahusha is the father is because they believe it was the father that was on Mount Sinai, that it was the father that created Adam, that it was the father uh, that spoke to Moshe, and all the different uh, things here. But we can see clearly that it was Yahusha who did all of these things. And we have to remember, Yahusha said no man ever saw the father. No one. So the Father didn't come down here on the earth and, and, and say all these things. He sent his, his messenger, his word. But going back to the book of Jubilees, I've heard this before, that uh, no, it wasn't Yahusha on Mount Sinai or these other places. It was just simply angels. 
Let's read, let's read the passage in Jubilees. And he said to the angel of the presence, who's that? He said to the angel of the presence, write for Moshe from the beginning of the creation till my sanctuary has been built among them for all eternity. And Yahuwah will appear to the eyes of all and all shall know that I am the Elohim of Yashrael and the father of all the children of Yaakov and king on Mount Zion for all eternity. And Sion and Yerushalayim shall be holy. And the angel of the presence who went before the camp of Yashrael took the tables of the divisions of the years from the time of the creation of the Torah and of the testimony of the weeks and the jubilees according to the individual years according to all the number of the jubilees according to the individual years from the day of the new creation when the heavens and the earth shall be renewed and all their creation according to the powers of the heaven and according to all the creation of the earth until the sanctuary of Yahweh shall be made in Jerusalem on Mount Zion and all the luminaries be renewed for healing and for peace and for blessing for all the elect of Yashrael and that thus it may be from that day unto all the days of the earth. And that's Jubilees 1, 28-29. So, who is this angel, the messenger of his presence? Isaiah 63, 1-9 tells us plainly. Let's read it. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore are you red in your why are you red in your apparel, in your garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and will trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Those of you that know the book of Revelation pretty well, you know whose, whose raiment is dipped in blood. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. I will mention the loving kindness of Yahuwah, and the praises of Yahuwah, according to all that Yahuwah has bestowed upon us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. And all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. Who's the angel of his presence? In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bared them and carried them all the days of, of old. Brothers and sisters, Yahusha is the angel of his presence. Point blank. So this is also the angel of Yahuwah. The angel of, the, of his presence is also the, the angel of Yahuwah. Not an angel, not simply he's just an angel. He's the angel of Yahuwah. He's the angel of the, his presence. So can Yahusha be labeled an angel? Surely he's more than or higher than an angel. Remember this passage? For unto for a child is born to us and a son is given to us whose government is upon his shoulder and his name is called the messenger. The Greek is angel, the angel of great counsel. I remember that was Isaiah 9, 6 in the Septuagint. So let us not forget that the Hebrew word for angel means messenger. It's malak. It means angel or messenger. A messenger, a representative. Um, so was or is Yahusha a messenger sent from Yahuwah? 
For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. If you're sent by somebody, you're his, their messenger. That was John 6.38. Yahushua said unto them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. John 4.34. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. He's a malak, an angel sent of Yah. John 5.30. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. John 6.57 I have glorified you on earth. I have finished. This is still that. This is that John 17 prayer to the Father. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them me, and they have guarded your word. John 17, 4 through 6. Truly, Yahushua, our Messiah, was sent by Yahuwah, our amazing Father. He accomplished his marvelous work and was and still is the most important Malak messenger ever sent to us. Period. That's why he's the messenger of Yahuwah, not a messenger one of the messengers he's the angel of yahuwah thankfully once again revelation gives us more understanding as yahusha is the angel of yahuwah right not an angel but the angel much like sukkot isn't a feast but the feast revelation calls yahusha a mighty angel and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet and as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little sephir, a book, open, and set his right foot upon the sea, and the left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, line of the, Jude, line of the uh, line of Judah, and when he had cried, the seven thunders uttered their voices, and that was Revelation ten one through three, which called him a mighty angel. So one can make the case that an angel, perhaps even one of the seven archangels, could come down with a cloud, uh, a rainbow, feed as pillars of fire, and perhaps even have a face shining like the sun. These are all attributes given to Messiah. However, Revelation 5, 1 through 7, the throne room scene makes it abundantly clear. I, I have it highlighted. We're going to read a, actually that passage a little bit later. The throne room scene makes it abundantly clear that Yahusha alone was given the book to open, which we see here in his hand in this passage. This mighty angel is Messiah Yahusha. This mighty messenger is Yahusha. The overarching truth is this. Yahusha has been the representative on earth for the Father since the beginning. The covenant has always been with the Father through his Son. Remember, no man has seen the Father at any time. For more on this concept of Yahusha appearing to man throughout the Torah and prophets, please see our study, Identity, Identity the Angel of Yahuwah. And here's a video link and here's an article link. So, again, for people that are like, no way, no way, no way. Yahusha is the father because I know it was Yahusha in the burning bush. I know it was Yahusha that formed Adam in the Garden of Eden. I know it was Yahusha that, you know, that did this and this and this. They're right. You are right. But th that doesn't mean he's the father. We have to take Yahusha's word seriously that no man has seen the father. Otherwise, he's, he's lying because if it was the father that came down and was in the burning bush and did this and this and this, then Yahushua would have lied or misled that no one has seen the Father. So, 
if you still currently believe that Yahusha is the father, you know, we have a lot still in common because you're like, no, 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 it was Yahusha that did all those things in the Old Testament. I agree. I agree. Doesn't make him the father. Death and remarriage. There's a popular teaching out there that professes Yahusha had to come in the flesh and die so that he would be able to remarry his adulterous bride. Uh, see Deuteronomy 24, 1-4, 1 Corinthians 7-39, Romans 7-2. Let's read it. Deuteronomy 24, 1-4, When a man has taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes because she has found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which she took to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is, after that she is defiled, for that is an abomination before Yahuwah, and you shall not cause the land to sin, which Yahuwah the Elohim gives you for an inheritance. So basically saying if a woman is divorced from her husband, she goes and marries someone else and then is divorced again, she can't return back to that original husband. It would be defilement. So the teaching is that, you know, Yahuwah divorced Israel and Judah eventually. And the teaching is he couldn't bring them back because of this law, except there's a loophole. If he dies, it's like renewed and he can remarry. So 1 Corinthians 7.39, the wife is bound by the law, the Torah, as long as her husband lives. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in Yahuwah. Romans 7.2, for the woman which has a husband is bound by the Torah to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband is dead, she is loose from the Torah of her husband. So, um, they continue to assume that he had to be the father for this rule. For after all, the children of Israel were married, joined in covenant with his people. However, remember this. And Abraham was a son of 99 years old, and Yahuwah appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am El Shaddai, serve before me and be perfect in your flesh, and I will set my covenant between my word and you. So, if the covenant has always been through Yahusha, this teaching of him having to die to be able to remarry his bride stays true. It's a true teaching, and it is a beautiful love story, probably the most beautiful love story as the, the prominent teacher of this uh, doctrine has stated, it's a true story. Nevertheless, it still does not prove he's the father. Because, again, if the covenant is through his son, Yahushua, the word, then truly his word had to come down, die, to loose that, that, that uh, it's almost like a loophole, but not, we won't call it that, but had to die to loose his adulterous bride from being able to come back and be remarried to him. So it's still a beautiful love story but it just does not prove that he's the father. Statements Yahusha made. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. We read these before, but let's just let's read them again. Yahusha said unto them, my food, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 4.34 I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. John 5.30 As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. John 6.56 Are you seeing a pattern here? 
he's plainly saying the father sent him the father sent me the father sent me the father sent me the father sent me if we're going to say that he's the father we're calling Yahushua a liar we are I have glorified you on earth, right? This is his prayer to the Father. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. He's plainly saying the Father gave him work. And now, O Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I have with you, had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have guarded your word. John 17, 4 through 6. You have heard how I say, I go, I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father. This is Yahushua saying it, not me. My Father is greater than I. He says that. There's a hierarchy in heaven. There's a hierarchy in the Godhead. There's the Father and there's the Son. This is this part here is where it's going to bring contention. People will say, no, 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 he's got to be equal with the Father. I mean, I hear you. Elohim is, is Elohim, right? He's Elohim. He's God. But he says his Father is greater than him. And then people will say, well, it's, he's saying that because right now he's in the flesh. And so, you know, there's no way that he could be equal to the Father because he's in the flesh at this moment. But Messiah's words are ruach. It's not, he didn't speak flesh. He didn't speak fleshly things. He spoke Ruach things, spirit breathe things. So if he's saying the Father is greater than him, well, I'm going to just take it at truth. That's John 14, 28. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. There's your second witness. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Yahusha always just gave glory to the Father. right? If he was the Father, he'd be like, hey, listen, I came here to do all these works. Why? Because I'm the father. I'm the mighty Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. He didn't say that. He said, the father is greater than me. He gave all glory to the father. That's John 10, 29. In my father's house are many mansions. Right? So we're building a case here that there's a father and a son. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. John 14, 2. But Yahushua answered them, My father works hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Yahudim sought to sought the more to kill him, because not only he had he loosed the Sabbath, but also said that Elohim was his father, making himself equal with Elohim. So, is he equal or is the father greater? Uh, this is what the, the Pharisees said that that him proclaiming to be the son he was equal with Elohim. So uh, John five, seventeen through eighteen. But of that day and hour knows no man. This is the end, right? No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And that's Mark 13, 32. There are actually many more passages. I mean, we could have just, we, I probably could have added another 15, 20 easily. There are more, actually more passages like this we can post, but this should suffice. If Yahushua was the Father come in the flesh, why wouldn't he say it or even allude to it? If Yahushua was the father, these verses would be very misleading. Actually, they would be lies. The truth is, Yahushua is the son of the father, just as these and many other verses say plainly, in my opinion. The I am. This is a big one. Yahushua said unto them, Amen, Amen, I say unto you, before Abraham was, 
Ahaya, I am. Boom, powerful. John 8, 58. How can Yahusha say this and not be the Father? Let's review Exodus 3, where Elohim declared, Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya. I am that I am. I will be taking some snippets from the study Identity, the Angel of Yahuwah that we linked and referenced earlier. For a full understanding, I would highly recommend watching the 32-minute video study. Here's the scene. Now Moshe kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even Horeb. And the angel of Yahuwah appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moshe said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when Yahuwah saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of your father. So this is the member. This is the angel of Yahweh saying, I am the Elohim of your father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Yitzchak, and the Elohim of Jacob. And Moshe hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon Elohim. So the angel of Yahweh is the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moshe was afraid to look upon Elohim. That was Exodus 3, 1 through 6. So we established earlier that no man has seen the Father at any time. Otherwise, Yahusha's statement is incorrect and he would be lying. So therefore, who was Moshe speaking with here? As this angel messenger, Malak, called himself as the Elohim of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Jacob. This isn't something one of the lower classes of angels proclaim, not even Michael or Gabriel or the other archangels. They don't come saying, I am Elohim. They don't do it. You won't find it. And Moshe said unto Elohim, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, I'm sorry. And Moshe said unto Elohim, Behold, when, the, when I come unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, The Elohim of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And Elohim said unto Moshe, I am that I am. Ahaya, asher, ahaya. And he said, and thus he said, Thus shall you say unto the ch uh, children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Exodus 3, 13-14. So, the angel of Yahuwah, who is Elohim, said, I am. Yes. Right? Yahusha said unto them, Amen, Amen, I say unto you, before Abraham was Ahaya. That was John 8.58. So yes, it was our Messiah speaking with Moshe and declared himself to be I am then and thousands of years later in front of the mocking Jews. Here is a passage that connects the angel of Yahuwah who was in the burning bush as being the word. And we know the word is Messiah. This is uh, Genesis 16. And the angel of Yahuwah said to her, this is Hagar, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because your affliction is revealed before Yahuwah. So you can see how the angel of Yahuwah still points to Yahuwah. 
and he shall be like the wild ass among men, and his hands shall take vengeance on his adversaries, and the hands of his adversaries be put forth to do him evil, and in the presence of all his brethren shall he be commingled, Arabized, and he shall and shall dwell. And she gave thanks before Yahuwah, whose word spoke to her, spake to her. So the angel of Yahuwah spake to her, and she recognized the angel of Yahuwah as the word of Yahuwah. And thus said, You are he who livest and art eternal, who sees but art not seen. For she said, For behold, here is revealed the glory of the Shekinah, the presence of Yahuwah after a vision. And we know earlier, right? So uh, no, the, the, pre, the angel of the presence, right? So Yahusha, our Messiah, is the word, the angel of Yahuwah, the angel of his presence, the beloved son of Yahuwah. Now let's take a look at the father-son role. So next I'd like to share some scriptures that make it clear that Yahusha is not the same entity as the father, right? So people will be like, yeah, Yahusha's the son, but he's just, you know, the flesh of the father, but he's still the father, right? So Yahusha is not the same entity as the father. This is the case I'm going to put before you right now. If he is, right, so if he is the father then these passages make it awkward really quickly. Surely, they are one in the Ruach together, but we will solidify they are two entities, just like my son and I are one Echad, but two different people, like my son, right? We're Echad together, but he's a different person, two different, we're two different people. We read this before, but again, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Yahushua also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Ruach HaKodesh descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. We're going to probably address the Trinity uh, at another time. That's not for this study. Um, you know, some people will be like, oh, what's this? You know, the spirit is that another is that another person? Uh, we'll cover that another time. So, listen, I know Yahweh can do anything he wants to. So he could be in heaven and on earth at the same time. Totally get it. And I'm with you. And I agree. He could do that. But how confusing is it to, to think that he spoke to himself in third person? If he did, why didn't he say, this is me, the Father on earth. Hear me. He didn't say that. We cannot add to or take away from what the text plainly states. Deuteronomy says, 4.2 says, don't add or take away. Yahushua said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He, he acknowledged two entities. He said, here's the Father, here's me. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. That was John 14, 6. If Yahushua was the Father, he would be saying, or should have said, no one comes to me but through me. He didn't say that. Truly, in my opinion, he is the Son of our Father. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So, Yahusha clearly states his Father gave them to him. John 10, 27-29. And he said unto him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one. That is Elohim. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Matthew 19, 7. 
Here's a very interesting scene. This is what I said we were going to read earlier. This is Revelation 5, 1 through 7. This is the throne room scene where you have Yahuwah on the throne, and you have the lamb taking the the sealed, the seals uh, out of the hand of him who sits on the throne. So let's read this. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open up the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, you know that's Yahusha, and he's also the lion of the tribe of du- Judah, the root of David, right? There uh, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of Elohim, sent forth into all the earth. And he, the lamb, came and took the book out of the, out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. You have two entities. You have the lamb taking the book out of him who's on the throne. Two entities. Two people. Revelation 5, 1 through 7. So did you catch that? The Father is on the throne with a sealed book. The Lamb, Yahushua, then comes and takes it out of his hands. This clearly shows two entities, Father and Son. If Yahushua was the Father, this scene makes no sense. Makes zero sense. This one is very hard to get around. It really is, in my opinion. From the bottom at the commencement of the hollow part to this great mercy seat, from beneath was two cubits, and the breadth was a cubit, and from the little mercy seat to the great mercy seat, four cubits, and a breadth was a cubit. This is Ezekiel 43, 14, the Septuagint. So here we have a big mercy seat and a little mercy seat. Big throne, smaller throne. Thanks, Sean, for sharing this one. And Yahushua came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In heaven and on earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 18 through 19. So two things to note. All power was given to Yahushua. Who gave it to him? Did he give it to himself or did the Father give it to him? I believe the Father gave it to him. Also, we see a distinction between the Father and the Son when baptizing. Next, we see Yahusha will eventually give that power slash authority back to the Father. For as in Adam, all die. Even so, in Messiah shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Messiah the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Messiahs at his coming. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to Elohim, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Right? He's going to put it down. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him. So the Son, if Yahushua was the Father, is he going to subject himself to himself? No, he's going to subject himself to him, the Father, that put all things under him, that Elohim may be all in all. 1 Corinthians 15, 22-28. Now, when the centurion 
And they that were with him watching Yahusha saw the earthquake and those things that were done. They feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the son of Elohim. Matthew 27, 54. The Roman centurion knew that he was the son, not the father. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of Elohim, command that these stones be made bread. Matthew 4, 3. Satan knew that he was the son, not the father, come the flesh. When Yahushua came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living Elohim. And Yahushua answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew sixteen thirteen through 17 So not only does Peter correctly identify Yahushua as the Son, but Yahushua even goes on to say that the Father gave him that revelation. Truly, if Yahushua was the Father and he wanted us to believe that, he would have corrected Peter to his face. Be like, Peter, you don't understand that I'm actually the Father here? He didn't say that. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Yahushua, the son of Elohim? Are you come here to torment us before the time? Matthew 8, 29. Yes, even the unclean spirits knew his identity. In those days, Yahuwah bade them to summon and testify to the children of earth concerning their wisdom. Show it unto them, for you are their guides and a recompense over the whole earth. For I and my son will be united with them forever in the paths of uprightness in their lives, and ye shall have peace. Rejoice, ye children of uprightness. Amen. That's Enoch 105. This couldn't be any clearer that there is a literal father and son. Hallelujah, Yahuwah. Who has ascended up to heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what's his son's name, if you can tell? Proverbs 34. The son's divinity. Some people would say, when you call... Yahushua, the Son, not the Father, you lower his divinity. He's not as exalted as he should be, things like that. I don't agree. And let me explain my case. Yahushua has been with the Father before the foundation of the world. He is Elohim. He is God. Just not Elohim the Father. He is Elohim the Son. The word Elohim, God, can be used to identify the Father, the Son, even angels take a look at the strong's concordance page for elohim rulers judges divine ones angels gods um, um yeah so well we're gonna leave that up actually here i'm gonna close the chad so consider the significance that elohim is plural for eloha So you can see here, this is Elohim, and this is what was used 2,600 times, Elohim. Elohim is plural of Eloha. Eloha was only used 57 times, a singular Elohim. 
going to explain what this means in a second. So this is how the text was written, even from the beginning. In the beginning, Elohim, plural, created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. It could have said Eloha, right? So it now makes perfect sense why the singular Eloha wasn't used here and thousands of other times. Because if it wanted to um, clearly signify one, just one entity, it would say, in the beginning, Eloha created the heavens and the earth. Didn't say that. Elohim, plural. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim. Two entities. And the Word was Elohim. He was in the beginning with Elohim, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 1 through 3 again. This is a perfect time to address the common objection of multiple gods or multiple Elohim being a primary reason why Yahusha has to be the Father. So people are like, no, there's no multiple gods, right? There's no multiple Elohim. It's just Elohim, that's it, right? Probably not knowing that Elohim is plural, right? So in English, it would be gods. Many would cite this passage from Isaiah 45. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, Yahuwah, and there is no Elohim, plural, else beside me, a just Elohim and a Savior. There is none beside me. So people are like, see, there's no one next to him. There's no one seated at the right hand or nothing. This is... Um, this is a pass. This is a passage that people use to deny Messiah. They're like, there's no Messiah. There's no one. See, there's no one beside him. It's just Yah. Or it's just Yahuwah. That's Isaiah forty-five twenty-one. Many will look at this passage and say Messiah has to be the Father, as there is none beside him. Taking into consideration what we've just learned about the plural Hebrew word for Elohim, that could put it to rest in and of itself. However, let's take a look at the Aramaic version of Isaiah forty-five. Tell ye and draw near, yea, take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, Yahuwah? And there is no Elohim whatsoever beside me, a just Elohim and a Savior. There is none but I. Turn unto my word, and you shall be saved. All that are at the ends of the earth, for I am Yahuwah, and there is none else. I have sworn by my word, which we know is a living entity. The word has gone forth in righteousness from my presence, the angel of his presence, and shall not fail that before me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely he has promised to bring me righteousness and strength by, oops, this misspelled, by the word of Yahuwah. In his word they shall offer praise, and all the nations that are incensed against his people shall be ashamed. In the word of Yahuwah all the seed of Israel shall be justified and glorified. Surely um, there's none else beside me. It has nothing to do with there being not being multiple Elohim up there. I think this puts the issue of multiple gods to rest. Praise Yah, truly Yahusha, our Messiah, is Elohim, God, the Son. Messiah's pre-existence. At that hour, that Son of Man was named in the presence of Yahuwah of Spirits, and his name before the head of days, yea, before the sun and the signs were created, before the stars of the heaven were made, his name was named before Yahuwah of spirits. He shall be a staff to the righteous who are on to stay themselves and not fall, and he shall be the light of the Gentiles and the hope of those who are troubled of heart. 
All who dwell on earth shall fall down and worship before him and will praise and bless and celebrate with song Yahweh of spirits. And for this reason, he has been chosen and hidden before him before the creation of the world and forevermore. That's Enoch 48, 2-6. He was named in the presence of the Father and existed before all creation. Uh, he's God. He's Elohim for sure. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible Elohim, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things he pre-existed everything and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the assembly who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all the fullness well colossians 1 12 through 19 by acknowledging yahusha as the son in no way lowers his divinity in my opinion he is elohim he is god and preceded all of creation he is at the right hand of yahuwah and has been given all authority in heaven and earth praise be to yahusha king of kings and adonai of adonim last topic last sub topic why this topic is so important he that believes on the son of elohim has the witness in himself he that believes not elohim has made him a liar let me ask you a question straight up do you want to make elohim a liar probably not so what would make him a liar? What would you, what would what could you possibly do or think that could make him a liar? Because he believes not the record that Elohim gave of his son. How much more bold can that get? Let me read that again. He that believes on the son of Elohim has the witness in himself. He that believes not Elohim has made him a liar. Why? Because he believes not the record that Elohim gave of his son. So if you're sitting there saying, "Nah, he's not the son. He's the father." Because such and such and such. Not me. The scripture says you're making him a liar. And this is the record that Elohim has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of Elohim has not life. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of Elohim, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of Elohim. If you're still on the fence, if everything I've shown you so far, you're like, yeah, but eh, it, this passage, if nothing else, take this passage to Yahweh alone. You and him, take it to prayer and be like, help me out don't be you know don't be sarcastic but like you know yeah help me out what i don't understand this passage i mean seriously this this is like this verse 
if you still believe that Yahuwah is the Father and there is no Son, that the Son is simply just the Father come down in the flesh, I, I, I really would urge you to listen to this one more time. He that believes not Elohim has made him a liar because he believes not the record that Elohim gave of his son. I mean, the scriptures are just clear, simple, crystal clear. Moving on. Whosoever denies the son, the same has not the father. He that acknowledges the son has the father also. That's 1 John 2, 2, uh, 2 23. So by acknowledging that there is a son, a literal son, you have the Father. By denying that Yahuwah has a literal son, it says you don't have the Father. Not me. Brothers and sisters, if we say the Father came down in the flesh, we are not acknowledging the Son. We would be acting like he doesn't exist. You'd be eliminating the role of the Son. You're just eliminating Yahusha. Be like, well, no, Yahusha is just the Father. You're eliminating Yahusha. Without acknowledging the Son, this can be dangerous territory. As the scriptures just stated, I come not to offend or hurt any feelings, but we must stand for what the Word says. And the Word says that He's His Son. Anything else, it's incorrect, in my opinion, of course. But hopefully I've presented the case that that's what the scriptures plainly state. This plays into the end times deception that is coming and is already here. The end times false anti-Messiah. There is a grand deception coming and is already here. Most of you who have already heard of him as the Antichrist. With everything we've learned thus far, I find it dangerous to not acknowledge the Father and the Son partnership, Echad, and recognize two beings. We will end with a passage from the book of the Ascension of Isaiah, which contains a prophecy not many know about, but needs to be heard by Yahweh's people. This book speaks of Yahusha, the son of Elohim, as the Beloved. If you want to quickly get acquainted with this book, you can watch this short study of why I believe this book is inspired, legitimate, true. And so I've left a link for the book if you want to read it on your own and a short study to recognize why I believe this is a true uh, text. And now Hezekiah and, my, and Joseph, my son, these are the days of the completion of the world. After it is consummated, Belier who's Satan in this book, the great ruler, the king of this world, will descend, who has ruled it since it came into being. Yea, he will descend from the firmament in the likeness of a man, a lawless king, the slayer of his mother, who himself, even this king, will persecute the plant, the true seed of Abraham, which the twelve apostles of the beloved have planted. Of the twelve, one will be delivered into his hands. We know that Judas was delivered into the hands of Satan. This ruler in the form of that king will come, and there will come with him all the powers of this world, and they will hearken unto him on all that he desires. And at his word, the sun will rise at night, and he will make the moon to appear at the sixth hour. And all that he has desired, he will do in the world. And he will do and speak like the beloved, and he will say, I am Elohim, and before me there has been none. I'm going to explain what this means in just a second. And all the people in the world will believe in him, and they will sacrifice to him, and they will serve him, saying, This is Elohim, and beside him there is no other. And the greater number of those who should have been, shall have been associated together in order to receive the beloved, he will turn aside after him. I'll explain what that means in a second. 
which will actually this this is important basically says the majority of christians who shall have been uh, gathered unto yahusha will turn aside after the anti-messiah and there will be the power of his miracles in every city and region and he'll set up his image before him in every city that's the ascension of isaiah 4 1 through 11 brothers and sisters this has been the works has been in the works for centuries and is a huge part of the end times deception to recap this is basically what that passage just wrote read to recap satan will come down as jesus and declare that he is the father right none else besides he's going to come down saying he's the beloved the beloved in that book is the son so he's going to come down and say i'm the son i'm also the father and there's none beside me i'm god is what he's going to declare right so He's going to come down as Jesus and declare that he is the Father and there is none else beside him. Sadly, the majority of Christianity will follow him. This is already in the works and is part of the ultimate deception. Think about it. If Satan came proclaiming proclaiming he was Jesus, the Messiah, do you really think he'd come pointing to the Father or give himself all the glory? Of course he's going to give all of himself the glory, right? If you are interested in an expanded study on the Antichrist from a perspective that you may have not considered before, Please review our study, Antichrist Revealed documentary, and there's a link right here for it. So, I pray this study has been a blessing for you. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. So, we're going to um, do a couple things. We're going to pray. And uh, I actually got a quick announcement. Um, actually, before you go anywhere, we got a quick announcement. Uh, we did this last year. We did, actually did it in September, but this year we're going to do it uh, next month. Um, on the, the Gregorian uh, calendar, it'll be August 14th. Uh, each each location will have their own time, but roughly I'm, I'm asking everyone if they can uh, to do it somewhere around 1 p.m. Central Time so we can kind of all do it at the same time. We're going to do a coordinated baptism event. Um and we're gonna have these are these are the locations we have so far. I'm still waiting to have, hear back for some from some people. We've got Brother Noel Hadley in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Brother Tony and Brother Curtis in Southern California. I believe they're gonna be doing it on the beaches of SoCal, maybe Huntington. Uh, Dave Clark in Colorado. Tim Merchweiler in Idaho. Dave Courier in New Hampshire. Jeremy Fox in Chicago. Parley Hart in Savannah, Georgia. Hank Brem in Seattle, Washington, and myself in our fellowship team here in Southwest Missouri. Uh, we'll get you more information on how to contact these uh, brothers or myself and what to do. But if you want to start preparing now for a trip, uh, it's going to be August 14th on Shabbat, somewhere around 1 p.m. Central Time. So with that, brothers and sisters, uh, I want to end with a prayer and uh, a song or two. And uh, after this uh, video ends, we're going to do the Torah portion, week 42, Matot. Uh, about 15 minutes after this study ends. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, O Yahweh, we come before you. We bless you and praise you in the name of Yahusha, your son, whom you sent. And we pray that this study has been a blessing for you. The truth has been revealed today. We pray that uh, eyes and ears may be open to your truth. And we just thank you, O Yah, for waking us up in these last days uh, as a remnant to keep your ways. And we thank you for this Shabbat, which is a, an amazing blessing to our lives. Um, and we just pray that you continue to uh, work through your people, that we may be workers in your field to continue to wake up the remnant of Israel, uh, your great army in these last days. We love you. We praise you. We bless you. We thank you for all that you do and all that you've made, especially thank you for sending uh, your son, Yahusha, to pave the way for us and to forgive us of our sins. In his name, we do thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, brothers and sisters, let's uh, let's, let's see what, what kind of what song are we gonna do. 
Um, let's do the priestly blessing and one other. Shabbat shalom. Shine upon.